listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 144. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Lex Gillette, four-time Paralympic medalist and four-time world champion for Team USA, where he talks about the blessings from his blindness and how his athletic journey taught him how to embrace adversity and be self-sufficient. Lex shares his most mentally tough moment when pursuing a world championship. He also explains how running and jumping without seeing becomes a whole new kind of trust. Keep your eye on this Paralympian next summer, where he will compete for the gold in the 2021 Paralympics. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals, the Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Lex, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Grant? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Not only to just uh, to understand your mindset in your journey, but just how you've over- overcome adversity as an athlete and personally, things that you've gone through with, with your blindness. And, and I think your story is just, uh, it's incredible and I can't wait to share it with my listeners today. Absolutely. I'm super excited. This should be a great conversation. All right. All right. Well, then let's get it going. You know, my favorite topic is mental toughness. And I know um, just doing a lot of research and talking with you, you've done, you've had to deal with a lot of mentally tough situations. So when you think about the words mental toughness, what does that mean for you? Mental toughness to me is our ability to withstand challenging circumstances. And then when you think about now, again, there, there's a lot of things that you've uh, had to go through throughout your life, through all, all the Olympics and world championships. Um, is there a specific time where, you've had to be, where you had to be mentally tough? Yeah, I think that the, the most obvious one would be overcoming blindness. But when you think about it from an, an athletic standpoint, in 2015, we had our world championships in Doha, Qatar. And as a, as a blind long jumper, I have a guide who stands at the takeoff board where I'm supposed to jump from and he's clapping and yelling, 
giving me that auditory reference so I know which direction to run. And from there, it's me running as straight as possible, counting my strides. And once I get to the appropriate stride, then I jump, fly through the air, land in, in the sand. But on this particular day, I didn't land inside of the long jump pit. I landed on the side of it. So wow. if you could imagine that is, there's there's no sand there. It's, it's concrete, <laughs> essentially. And you're in the middle of a, a world championship. So for me mentally, it was number one, first and foremost, making sure that I was good, that I was, that my, my body was okay. And that I wasn't terribly injured. I, of course I had a couple bruises and, and, and a gash or two, but at, at that time I'm, I'm on the global stage and I'm thinking about winning. So I went to the medical area to make sure that I could get bandaged up and get clearance to return to the competition. And from there, it was literally getting myself to, to understand that, you know what, things happen at the end of the day. And I know that as an athlete who's blind, there's a possibility that something like that, a crash, it may happen. And I wanted to make sure that you know, my guide was okay. He can actually see in this equation. So wanted to let him know that, Hey man, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't trust you any less. I don't think of you any less. Let's get back out here and, and make it happen. There was a job that I wanted to do. I wanted to win gold. We had one more jump remaining, got back out there. My guide helped me get to my starting point. He jogged to the takeoff board. He starts clapping and yelling. I locked in, focused, took off in his direction. And that jump ended up being, that was my best jump of the competition. Wow. Ended up getting the gold medal. Wow. You know, I asked this question because I know that, you know, athletes that can see, right, when they do mess up or they have a mistake, their emotions get, they get involved. And they get involved because the environment I think there's a couple of things that, that come into play, but so they see people like the way they react to their, to their failure. And so that adds to their emotion and adds, and adds to the whole experience. So when you actually went through that experience, what was the emotion like? Did, was there any embarrassment or was it like, Hey, I just, okay, got to get ready for the next one. Right. Does this, since you don't see people's reactions, um, does that affect your emotions at all when, when you do actually make a, uh, a mistake? I think in, in that particular event, when I had landed, I could certainly hear people's reactions and their voices. And it was a, that sound that people make when they, they right. see something excruciating. Like, oh. <laughs> and right. I, you know, for me, it was, I had a lot of, uh, of adrenaline going and and i'm i'm really pumped up for the competition so i had i remember being embarrassed and largely due to the fact that that had that had never happened to me to that degree and i've been on the sidelines before where it's happened to other athletes and i've always thought to myself ah you know that that's not going to that's not going to happen to me right right and then it does happen and again, you're on the you're on the global stage. So not only are people inside of the stadium, but there's people watching 
on the live stream on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it was it was embarrassing. There was a lot of there was a bit of being ashamed again because you're you're on display for everyone to see. Right. And um and you know, for sure had those emotions that that were creeping in. But again, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, get yourself balanced, get back into that that neutral space so that you can get through the competition yeah for sure now before we get into kind of going we'll go back into your story in a second here but i always love talking about our proudest moments now you've been in four you know paralympics and you've won tons of medals um and you've done incredible things with your career when it comes to your athletic career what do you think is like your proudest moment Oh, that is a tough one. I would say the first games that I was a part of, that was really special because it's your first time. I had just graduated from high school and it was probably 10 years prior to that was when I was dealing with a lot of my the operations and, and dealing with transitioning from being able to see to not being able to see. So when you think about walking inside of that stadium for the first time, actually backing up, getting on that flight to, to cross over the ocean for the first time, and you land in Athens, Greece, the birthplace of, of right. the Olympics, right. and you feel that culture and that atmosphere, and you hear the voices and athletes from all over the world, and then you fast forward to being inside of the stadium, you got thousands of people in there and they're watching you. I was competing on the first day of track and field competition. So there was a lot of people there and to, to be out there on that track in front of everyone. And, and I would say even more than that, specifically my mom, my grandmother, coach Whitmer and his wife, for them to be there to see me compete and then to see me get on top of the podium that was the icing on the cake because they helped establish the foundation that that allowed me to see my potential and I was able to catapult from there. Wow. And I can only imagine maybe just because I'm I'm very kinesthetic so I I operate from feeling um as my primary if you will and and but I yeah. can only just considering going into things you're going through um you're going through your your first Olympic, you know, Paralympic, and you're in Greece, and you're feeling it, like to feel energy, to feel that. It, I mean, I could. It gave me goosebumps when you were talking. I was yeah. like, "Wow, I mean, how awesome is that?" Yeah, no, that that energy is is absolutely amazing, and I've. That's how I. That's essentially how I see the world through a lot of the energy that I get from from people, from things, from environments. So it's almost like I'm thinking <laughs> the Super Mario reference, you hit the box and that and that <laughs> you hit that that power flower. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that, that energy is just amazing. Oh man. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well let, let's, you know, for my listeners, uh, go back to kind of the beginning of, of all of this. Um, 
you know, when you were eight years old and you started to lose your eyesight and you started to, to deal obviously with that whole experience and it was definitely a life-changing event. Can you share a little bit about that whole experience and that transition and how it led you into to being an athlete? Yeah, I had come home from school. I was in elementary school at the time and had went through my normal routine. That night, as I was in the bathroom, I was getting ready for bed. I started realizing that I was losing my sight. And at that time, it was literally, I'm looking at the lights and they look faint. Mm -hmm. I look into the mirror and it's hard for me to see my reflections. It's challenging. It's really hard for my, my eyes to focus on what I'm seeing. We went to the doctor and after an examination, they said I needed to have an emergency operation because I was suffering from retina detachments. I had one operation which was successful. I could see well for about three to four weeks. And after that, the same problem happened again. My sight began to get blurry again, this time more than it, what it was the time before. So we go in, retina detachments again, have a second operation, get it fixed. I could see well for about three to four weeks. After that time, same problem happens again. Retinas detached, going for a third operation. That was literally the pattern for the entire time that I was eight years old. And it led to, I had 10 operations that year. And after the last one, doctors said that there was nothing else they could do to help my sight. And they said that I would most likely become blind. So from there, it's go home, go through your, your daily routine, go to sleep at night, wake up the next morning and you see a little less than what you do the day before until one day you wake up and you're not able to make out much of anything. That was definitely challenging for sure. Wow. But I think that even going through that process, I think that when you, when you rewind back to going through those 10 operations, the first, I'm going to say the first two or three, you're optimistic and you're thinking that, okay, these specialists are going to get it right and they're going to to stabilize my sight i'm going to be able to see clearly again after the third one and nothing really changes now you you migrate into operations four five six and the feelings are mm, right optimistic kind of but <laughs> also thinking to yourself that uh, i don't really know and then you move to eight, nine, ten, and I think at that point, subconsciously, I feel like I was already preparing myself for okay, this may be reality. And uh, you know, when it when it finally did happen, it was it was definitely tough. You even though it was only eight years, that's that's a significant amount of time to be able to see the world and to lose it it was tough you're not able to see your your mom your family your neighborhood you're not able to see to read and write and draw pictures see people's facial expressions you know, all of those things are completely gone and you know, even outside of that all of the challenges that came with it in terms of just the the social aspect of things and then of course the topic that we're talking about, the, the mental aspect of it. 
right. mental was everything. So um, it was certainly, certainly a challenge, but my mom has been a really big influence. And her goal for me was literally, I just want you to be independent and be able to do things on your own so that you can go out and live the life that you, that you want to live. So she found someone to teach me how to read Braille. She kept me in, in public school mainstream. She found different resources and tools and technology, different people to help me to expose me to, to different things and, and put me in a position to where I could see mentally that you still can go out here and get the job done at the end of the day. And a few years later in high school, I met a teacher named Brian Whitmer and he was, he was my teacher of the visually impaired, which is a person who makes sure that you have all of the accommodations and everything you need from an accessibility standpoint so that that academic experience could be the best possible. And one of the other things that, that he was responsible for was going to PE class with me. And it was through a physical fitness test that we all had to participate in where he recognized that I was, that I had a couple of athletic gifts. Wow. And he asked me if I knew about the Paralympics. I said, nah, he said, well, it's the, it's the largest, the highest pinnacle competition for athletes who have a physical disability and you could potentially go, go there one day and, and represent Team USA and become a great athlete. And I gravitated towards the idea of you know, being able to, to compete, to win medals and to break records. Wow. Well, and, I, and I definitely want to get into that relationship with, with Brian. But because, you know, obviously I haven't um, experienced what you went through. However, I did experience, you know, being handicapped for four years from my hip surgeries. And you and I were talking about that before the show. And yeah. I had to go through, you know, surgeries and where I, you know, I was getting excited. And then I, then I, I came out worse than I did when I first went in. And so there was just a lot of stuff I had to go through. And so there was a lot of adversity. There was a lot of emotion and negative emotion that I had to deal with and work through. And it sucked during that time. I mean, it yeah. really did. However, I always believe in that what I've learned from that, the lesson was that where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. So I've, now I can go there. I saw the opportunity. I capitalized on it. And I'm glad I went through it. Now, yeah. as an eight-year-old kid, I mean, like, you're still developing. And so to deal with that type of yeah. adversity, it's huge. It's, it's tough. So for, for you, after all these years, even though that you are blind, is there, do you still, with that crisis that happened when you were eight years old, do you, is the Olympics being an athlete, the success, these opportunities, is that the opportunity coming, coming through this life-changing event? I think that that's part of it. I think that I definitely think that that's a, a an important layer to it, but I I think that it was literally all of the people who put their effort and energy into helping me just to see that I could go out here and and be self sufficient. Yeah, like literally, me realizing that was the door that I was able to walk in and see everything else that that was possible. Got it. 
and, and with that, you're talking about people, instrumental people. You know, I'm sure like your mother and a few other people, but how instrumental was Brian not only getting you to find this, this gift as an athlete, but coaching you and, and is he still, is he still involved with your, with your journey as we speak? He's still involved to a certain degree. He's not my, my coach specifically right now, but of course he was the, the one that got all of this started and uh, we still keep in touch. And, and I know that I can always call on him or text him or, or anything, you know, if I, if I need him. And, um, you know, that relationship though, starting off, it was, it was huge. Of course, we already had a, a teacher student relationship because he was making sure that from an academic standpoint, I was doing what I needed to do. And he held me accountable as well, because if I didn't get good grades, then there were consequences that, that came with that. I wasn't able to participate in certain activities or, or sports. I think that, um, that was huge. Also, you have to, you have to make sure that you're handling your business in order to be able to take advantage of all of the extracurricular activities. And so, um, that was, that was huge to have that figure, that person who, who held you accountable, but at the same time, saw your potential, devoted his time and his energy and, and, you know, gave me wisdom and I was able to, to eventually trust him 100%. You talk about running without being able to see and then propelling yourself in the air. That's a different type of trust. (laughs) And to be able to, to build that with him. And I speak a lot about vision now and, and he helped me to see that, that vision initially, that, that vision of being able to compete around the world and represent my country. And, yeah. and even past that, I think that although it was you know, athletics, he was also another person who helped me to see that there was way more beyond the horizon. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And you know, I want to talk about the whole process. I mean, you talked about the ultimate trust, you know, and especially when you're, you're running and jumping and, and you're blind doing it. And so you're putting so much trust. Now I can only imagine through the process of honing into your craft, there was a lot of falling down. There's a lot of frustration. You know, you think about sports like, like skateboarding, like the whole premise of skateboarding is to actually fall down and get right back up. You know, that's, that's how you learn. Right. You know, and a lot of sports are that way as well. But how did you, how did you get through those times where, whether if you ran into something or you, the frustration of, of not seeing, like how did, like emotionally, how did you talk yourself through those moments? Oh, uh, I think there were a couple things. I think um, the first one was literally what you just talked about. And in order for us to really get where we want to go in life, you have to do things, you have to experience things, you have to act on those things. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I sat on the sidelines, if I, if I didn't challenge my, my comfort zone, then there was no way any of this would be possible. 
And to even get to that point, I had to ask myself, well, it, you have this guy who believes in you. He's telling you that you can go to this country, that country and win gold medals and all of these things. If you literally don't get out here and try it, you're wiping that possibility off of the face of the earth. Like there's no way it's going to happen for you. And so I think that when we're faced with these overwhelming circumstances, you always have to ask yourself, if, if I don't try it out, if I don't give it a shot, if I don't put myself out there, what sort of potential success and opportunities am I just totally throwing out of the window by not even, by not even trying it out? Right. And so I didn't want to live 10, 15, 20 years down the line and be that person, well, you know, I could have did this or I could have did that. Right, right. I would much rather, I would much rather step into something and and step into an opportunity and and fail versus not trying it at all. Because you know that again, you think about that mental aspect that it can eat at you. Say, oh man, I wonder what life would have been like had you did X, Y, and Z. Right. And so when we're faced with these times, you just have to ask yourself, all right, are you okay? Are you, are you content with not, with not trying this out? Or, you know, do you want to see what could potentially happen? Yeah. You know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing a lot. It's, it's about showing up, uh, about getting to, like, I get to show up and you're, yeah. and you're taking, uh, you're taking these opportunities and I love that. Now you talked about failure and which I think is probably a good thing to talk about because we all know that the whole process of being successful is you have to fail. You have to learn from those mistakes. So when you were, when you were trusting the way you were moving your body and trusting Brian and trusting the people around you, um, what was it like for you to deal with the failure, the emotional side of it? Did it, was it was it even that much harder because you couldn't see, or did you have a better relationship with with failure? I think that it probably seemed like it was harder, and, and a lot of that may have been that may have been me in my own mind and thinking that okay, oh, people are looking at me weird, and they're just wondering if I'm going to to do this correctly. And, and mm -hmm. so you think about all of those things on top of what you're supposed to do anyway. And now you're, it's like you're putting unnecessary pressure on yourself. I felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed and I felt that fear also as well. You think about being out there not being able to see, excuse me, and and you're wondering if you're doing it correctly. You're wondering if you look like the other athletes with, you know, as you, you run and jump. Mm. Does it look, you know, and with all of those things going through your mind and through your body, it, it certainly is, is challenging. But that's the beauty of being amongst people who are uh, like-minded having teammates who believed in me and people who were inspired by me and people who I was inspired by and having that safe place where you could really figuratively speaking, fall down and, and you know, mess up and make mistakes at the end of the day. That's, that's the beauty of life being able to, to figure out 
how to make those alterations and changes. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked, you know, we're talking about the mental game. Um, and there's so many things you can do to condition your mind for what, whatever part of that performance that you're, that you're training for. So, you know, one of the things that I teach, um, and I think it's very vital is to visualize your performance. Yeah. So how much, you know, since that you, you know, obviously you can't see, but you can see in your head, mm-hmm. how much do you do that from a visualization standpoint and how much did that? And if you do, how much has that allowed you to gain confidence in your long jump in your, in your running? Right. Like yeah. is, is, yeah. Share, share with me with yeah. a little bit. That. No, it's, it's huge because I feel like it's, it's an absolute blessing. I believe that I was able to see at one point in time because now when I have conversations with my guide or with my coach, my strength and conditioning coach, whoever, they can they can make references to certain things and and I can literally close my eyes and remember what those things look like. I have an idea of what those things that they speak about are, you know, what they were like. So the literal aspect of it, when we step out onto the long jump runway, my guide is showing me how wide the runway is, how long it is, where the takeoff board is, the takeoff point is. Then he shows me how wide the long jump pit is and how long the long jump pit is. And what that is doing is that's giving me a, the ability to, to feel and imagine what this area is like. And so circling back to those days of me being able to see I'm able to create this image in my head. Mm. And as you just said, when you talk about confidence, when I feel like I can visualize what is going on in my head, it almost like it literally feels like I have this renewed sense of, of sight or, or vision, if you will. Yeah. And now I feel more comfortable and confident in, in the competition because it's like I could see what's going on. Oh, man, that's beautiful you know, and you do a lot. I mean, it's, you're not just a long jump, uh, long jumper, you triple jump, you 100 meter, 200 meter, four by one relay. So you do a lot. Uh, what's your favorite event? It would be long jump. That's what I was introduced to first. And that is, I mean, that's my bread and butter at the end of the day. So yeah, I certainly love it. Now I'm all, you know, obviously I'm, I'm about feeling. I love tapping into emotions and feeling. I can only imagine when you're, when you doing the long jump and you're in the air, right? It just describe to me and also my listeners, what does that feel like? I, I can only imagine kind of like a bird for a brief second, but what does that, that, what does that feel like when you're <laughs> completely in the air? Just fine. It happens super fast. So you're you're speeding down this runway you you launch into the air and and yeah it happens fast but i know you can relate to this as an athlete you have those times where you get into this zone and when you're in the zone everything slows down and it's almost like like you're watching that movie and it's this this slow motion scene and so for those times when i'm in that zone i literally feel as though for x number of seconds I am, I am suspended in the air. I'm gliding, and eventually my feet hit the ground. And I think that, I don't know. I love the sport 
a lot because the the challenge with long jump is you're wanting to get out there as far as possible, but you have gravity that you're working against. And for me, gravity has shown up in the in the sense of people's expectations and what they've felt like I should and, and should not do and what I could and could not do. And so when you think about long jumping, that is my ability to get out there to run and to you know, relieve myself of, of all of these things, all of these expectations and ultimately try to uh, not even try to, but ultimately defy gravity. That is what people, you know, what people think. Man, I love that. That, that is just beautifully said, you know, and you talk about zone uh, or being in flow and Again, I've never won a medal. I know you have, but I would imagine outside of winning a medal or a championship for me and being an athlete, I think the most beautiful thing you can experience as an athlete is being in zone where everything is slowed down, but you're doing everything right or the opposite. Everything's going really fast, but you're doing everything right, you know, and you're dominating. It's such a beautiful experience. And man, I, I talk to athletes all the time and once they feel that it's kind of like they want to get addicted to it. Right. They yeah. want, they want it more, yeah. right. But it's such, it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience as an athlete. For sure. So before we wrap up here, I have a couple questions and I know um, right now the whole world's going through not only the world, but the athletic world is going through um, this turbulent times with, with the pandemic. Yeah. And from your perspective, if you were to send a message out to athletes or a message out to young athletes during this time, like what would that be? I would say that as challenging as things are right now, the one of the most important aspects of life is recognizing change right. and realizing that change is it's inevitable. Literally every second that we're breathing, every second that we're on this earth, there's some sort of change that is happening around us, within us, and our ability to recognize that and ultimately manage it appropriately, that's, that is how you're going to realize success in life. And what we're dealing with right now, obviously, we're all having to operate differently with with the pandemic and just everything that's going on in and around our country but again if we're able to get where we need to get mentally stay kind of you know balanced and you know ward off those the pressures and and those emotions and i think also realizing that we all have these emotions and feelings we all feel great at times we all feel terrible and sometimes we we get embarrassed and ashamed and we feel fear and sometimes we don't trust people there's so many things that go on within us but that, that's natural that's the human experience but our ability to manage those things and ultimately manage the change that we experience in life that is what that is what's going to lead us to to success i love it i love it uh there's so many cool messages out there, you know, and we, we right now we're living in a very fear based world and I get it. Um, but 
but we can we can we can move with change and we can make our own change and i talk yeah. about connection like stay connected to your craft stay connected to the people that feed you and right. you know and as everything's changing man you're changing too but you're connected to the right things exactly yeah and i'm glad you said that the connection is huge because you think about you think about me specifically in in competing i have my guide and and although you know we're many feet away from each other he's clapping and yelling and i'm connected to the sound of his voice and so when i don't hear him anymore now i'm disconnected and so similar to life if we're disconnected we feel lost we don't know which direction to go and so it's huge having that constant connection especially with those who who genuinely love you care care for you and want to see you go out here and and fly to new heights in life definitely no pun intended right <laughs> i love it i love it okay last question man this is deep it's always my my favorite one and it's all all around reflection and i feel that's where we get uh our growth and how we develop is to reflect on our our lives and our performances so when you think about your whole career what do you think you've learned the most about yourself what have I learned the most about myself? I think that I've learned that no matter what I'm faced with in life, there's always a path to that desired destination. And it doesn't have to be a path that someone else has traveled before. It can be one that I create myself. And you can have, I use this example with kids a lot. You have the number 12. Just because somebody uses six plus six doesn't mean that you have to choose that same equation. You can do three times four. You can do 24 <laughs> minus 12. There's so many equations that you can use to get to the same solution. and you know, for me, my life is different and, and I'm cool with that. I love it because I get to figure out the paths to, <clears throat> excuse me, I get to figure out the paths that work the best for me to get to the same, a similar destination that others want to, to get to also. Man, I love it. I love it. How, how can my listeners, how can they connect with you, learn more about your journey, follow you on social media? For sure. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Lex Gillette on everything. That's L-E-X-G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -E. And I'm also, I have a site, LexGillette.com. And uh, yeah, hit me up. I'm very responsive on social. And actually, I released a book a few months ago entitled Fly. And that's available on my site as well. I would love for people to, to get that and support. But uh, yeah, I'm always out here uh being responsive and chit chatting on the on the social <laughs> awesome well that's great I, I encourage uh everyone to check out his book um i know what it's like to be an author and, and what it takes to, to write a book so um so I, i'm gonna pick it up myself but lex man this is uh this has been an honor man this is i love i love your story keep doing what you're doing i can't wait to see uh you get that gold next year, right? Yes, next summer, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Good, man. Well, again, thanks for sharing your story and your energy, man. Really appreciate it.
Thank you so much, Grant. It was a pleasure.